0: Welcome to the Common Round: medical
1: education for medical students by medical students. I'm Hamid
0: and I'm Andy and joining us today is our executive producer Gautam.
1: Today we will finish off our IBS IBD series with irritable bowel syndrome. Okay,
0: let's let's kick it off with um, irritable bowel syndrome. Okay, Angie. so
1: Hamid, what is it? What, how is it different to irritable bowel disease?
0: Well, irritable bowel disease or uh, inflammatory bowel inflammatory disease, yeah, bowel inflammatory bowel, bowel, disease. bowel disease. I yes. think yes. what you meant is, yes. as as the name suggests, is inflammation of portion of the often the small intestine or the large intestine. Yep. And the two conditions that we talk about. Predominantly are Crohn's mm-hmm. and ulcerative colitis. And if you guys are not sure about those two conditions, please go back and have a listen to our previous um, episode about those two diseases. Yes. But irritable bowel syndrome is more of a functional disorder. And by okay. functional, I mean, look, they've looked at other factors, right? They've, they've looked at signs of inflammation, um, other causes of potential gastrointestinal um, discomfort yes and they can't find an identifiable cause that doesn't mean that you know something might not be happening it's just we can't at at our current understanding and diagnostic skills we're not able to find a cause okay and so that's why they term it functional so you can have functional bloating functional constipation Um, you can have unspecified you know functional bowel disorders i guess the question is how do you define whether you've got IBS
1: so I think we're, what we're doing is we're looking for um, symptoms of the syndrome and yeah. previously from from what I was told was that it used to be a diagnosis that you reach to from elimination but no mm. longer it's no longer the case right yeah, so, yeah. there's
0: there's a bunch of sort of symptoms that you can have a look at and, mm. and, and like the thing is it's very common 10 to 15 percent of the population have it yeah it's more common in the young than the old and it's more common in females okay. but in terms of the symptoms what are they so i think you need to look for
1: so if you've got abdominal pain a disturbed defecation a process or if you've got bloating and so if these things last for three months or more that's one of the criteria and also with the abdominal distension and pain that needs to occur for at least three days of a month and it is supposedly relieved by defecation Another criteria is that there's also acute changes in the stools, so I guess you're alternating between constipation and diarrhea. And diarrhea, yeah. And so there's changes in the form and frequency. One thing that I found quite interesting was, and correct me if I'm wrong on this one, was that with irritable bowel syndrome, there is no real
0: macroscopic changes to the bowel. When you look at it on a colonoscopy, it looks perfectly normal. I think that's it. And that's why, you know, they don't know why it happens. There's some theories about, you know, what could be causing it. Yeah. You know, let's talk about what some of those potential causes are. Yeah. There's this terminology that's thrown around visceral hypersensitivity or motor disturbance where some distension of the bowel can cause you know some people to experience lots of pain in some people that could be a normal response in others it might be pathological we're not sure why that happens there's you know theories about something happening with serotonin in the enteric nervous system or sort of the nervous system of the gut maybe a relationship with microbiota so bacterial overgrowth or bacterial undergrowth following anti antibiotic treatment maybe psychological factors as well stress or anxiety might predispose people to, um, to develop in this condition but how do you manage it it's really hard when you don't
1: really know what's causing it to actually come up with a management plan. Yeah. And so what they have targeted was they can give antibiotics, or they give these um, serotonin agonists, as you mentioned before, to um, to try and relieve it. But un- unfortunately, the benefit of it is actually quite poor. So only there's an increase of 10% benefit over something that's a complete placebo. It's a minimalistic benefit. But I think there is this new thing that, that gets these gastroenterologists quite uh, excited, and it's called a FODMAP diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it
0: stands for f- fermentable oligo di monosaccharide and polyols. What a mouthful! Or FODMAP. Oh, FODMAP so much easier. Yeah, and I guess the theory behind that is that we yeah. always focus about lactose intolerance, which is what we're going to talk about um, next. Yeah. You know, what if there are other people that can't digest other com- complex sugars like, um, you know, fructose or. Galactans that you might find in, um, you know, baked beans and stuff. You know, why does baked beans make you so gassy, for example? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, why does it make you so gassy, Andy? Ex- explain that to us. Oh, geez. Why does it... This- <laughs> I don't know <laughs> well neither do i it's a mystery um but the whole point is that that there are you know there's theories that there's other more complex you know that not yeah. everyone can digest carbohydrates um, yeah. at the same uh level yeah right okay so these patients would then have a diary that they look at the dietary intakes and see whether there's any relationships or correlations and if there isn't or if there is then they have this elimination process to improve their symptoms yeah um, and that's what a fodmap diet is so it's just you know trying to find out potential causes and apparently has a really good response rate and it can bring about um, you know patient awareness and empowerment as well i think you know psychological factors and psychological therapies may play some role if it's an anxiety related um, issue or changes in diet so having um, increased fiber in your diet might help okay increasing probiotic intakes perhaps although the evidence isn't great peppermint oil which can which can help reduce spasm but also it can have an anti-gas effect mm, as well <laughs> <laughs> and also maybe anti-spasmodics <laughs> like yeah. iocene uh, or anti-diarrheals like might help as well but yeah. they're all symptom management though they're, they're not going to cure it no that's it for ibs so that essentially we don't know what it is right yeah. you've Thought about what other what things causes, it, yeah, and it's you know there's no identifiable underfi- identifiable signs. No you know there are options that you can use to treat patients with that brings us to the whole following on from this conversation let's talk about lactose intolerance let's define what lactose intolerance is and according to our trusty source wikipedia lactose intolerance is an inability of adults to digest lactose which is a um, slightly more complex sugar than glucose so lactose is broken down into galactose and And glucose
1: glucose and Um, galactose. and in some
0: people they just you know over time firstly they either don't have the enzymes which we're going to talk about or they just can't digest it so let's talk about some of the possible causes of lactose intolerance. Andy. Possible causes of it. Let's. It's mainly a deficiency in the la- lactase enzyme. Yeah. Isn't it?
1: Yeah. So are you talking about whether, if, uh, depending on the ethnicity or not? Yeah. That that can different people have different. Amounts of lactase that that is present
0: exactly. So some people, you know, some people would have, you know, base, you know, they would be born with this enzyme. So which is important during breastfeeding, right? Because you know, milk has a high concentration of lactose, so it's important to be able to digest it for nutrition and develop. Mm-hmm. But over the, over time, particularly once that those certain ethnicity ethnic groups reach their kids reach the age of five, they essentially are in- deficient of this enzyme. Okay. In some uh, cultures where there is a high intake of milk, like in the Caucasian cultures or European cultures, that mm. enzyme can persist lifelong. So that's why prevalence of lactose intolerance is lower in those countries. Yeah. But there's also other causes, like developmental lactose deficiency. If you're a preemie baby, you just your GI system hasn't been developed adequately to be able uh, to digest okay. the it, like it. Yeah. Are opinion. there any congenital? Like, are there any genetic causes of lactose? Yeah, I think. I think there was this um this autosomal
1: recessive disorder. I think that what that does is just that it makes your body just doesn't produce. Yeah, you just don't produce it from lactase
0: enzymes. Yeah, uh, You just don't produce from the get go. Mm. And also, are there other conditions that can cause transient lactose intolerance? I guess
1: things that such as the IB, IBD, such as the celiac. Sorry, sorry, such as Crohn's disease as well as celiac disease. They or can, a
0: viral infection, I think, does it as well. Yeah,
1: they can. Um, they can also lead to similar effects of yeah. lactose deficiency. So I guess
0: anything that disrupts the gastrointestinal structure, microstructure, and disrupts the microvilli with lactase in it yep. can, can do that. So that's really it with lactose intolerance. It's not really a big confusing topic you yeah. just don't have the enzyme and there's you know racial reasons there's congenital reasons there is secondary reasons that we talked about yeah. and there's developmental reasons as well yeah but yeah. if you guys have any concerns or issues by all means let us know um well would you say like with treatments just avoid avoid like yeah I, avoid lactose-based treatments or mm. the, i think you can get the you know there's lacto there's lactose-free you know dairy products that are mm. much more prevalent, but avoidance, just like celiac disease, is, is an option. Yeah. Or you can use these enzymes that digest that you can put into your food, mm. dairy product to digest uh, the the milk into i um, la- think to dis- to digest it for you. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Um, but that's it. There really isn't a whole lot to talk about. So that's why it's going to be a really short episode um, today. Yeah. Uh, if you have any questions or concerns, um, you know, please let us know. Uh, and as always, we would love to hear feedback from you guys. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to our Common Rounds podcast. You can find all of our episodes, notes, elective experiences, and much more content on our website. So come visit us at thecommonrounds.wordpress.com. And see you next time.